Uh, question, as you look back and reflect on the year 2017, what do you see? Was it a good year? Uh, was it a God-filled year? Uh, was it all that you hoped it would be when the ball dropped 365 days ago on January the 1st, 2017? Final question. Do you want the year 2018 uh, to be a better year, to be a bigger year, to be a bolder year, to be a brighter year? Do you? If you want this year to be a better year, stand up. If you want this year to crash and burn, just stay seated, right? If you say, I want this year to be awful and terrible, remain seated. If you want to be better, stand up. All right. So we're all pretty much want the same thing. You can be seated. And, and, and so if you do want it to be a, a, a better year, a, a bigger year, a bolder year, you're in the right place at the right time because today, New Year's Eve 2017, we're going to be talking about how to make the most of the year 2018 and a conversation that I'm calling Endless Possibilities, hashtag grabbing the new year. And, and, and I, I want to start off today with a parable and then with a passage of scripture. Okay, so you guys ready to do this? Yeah. Okay, we got three people ready. Right, that's good. I'll take it. All right, uh, first the parable. Uh, John Eldridge begins his book, The Journey of Desire, searching for the life we've always dreamed of with a parable uh, about a sea lion. Uh, once upon a time, there lived a sea lion who had lost the sea. He lived in a country known as the Barren Lands. High on a plateau, far from any coast, it was a place so dry and dusty, it could only be called a desert. Uh, a kind of coarse grass grew in patches here and there, and a few trees were scattered across the horizon. But mostly, it was dust, and sometimes wind, which together make one very thirsty. Of course, it must seem strange to you that such a beautiful creature should wind up in a desert at all. He was, mind you, a sea lion. But things like that do happen. How the sea lion came to be in the barren lands, no one could remember. It all seemed so very long ago. So long, in fact, it appears as though he had always been there. Not that he belonged in such an arid place. How could that be? He was, after all, sea lion. But as you know, once you've lived so long in a certain place, no matter how odd you come to think of it as home. And, and you know what? I, I, I think sometimes people, and that would be us, can become just like that sea lion. And, and, and what, I, what I mean by that is that we can live so long in a certain place or in a certain way that even though it is not where we belong and not who we belong, it can kind of begin to seem like home, kind of seem like normal. Eldridge continues, something awful has happened, something terrible, something worse even than the fall of man. For in the greatest of all tragedies, we, we merely lost paradise, and with it, everything that made life worth living. What has happened since is unthinkable. We've gotten used to it. We've broken into the idea that this is just the way things are. The people who walk in darkness have adjusted their eyes to it. Wow. Man, and I, I wish it wasn't true, uh, but John Eldridge is so right. I understand far too many of us, maybe even some in this room, have settled for a life that is much less than who they really are as a people created in the image of God, as people recreated in Jesus to do the good things that God prepared in advance for them to do as his workmanship. Now, as I said many times before, what really drives me as a, 
as a pastor, as a Christian, is to connect people, and that would include me, to the life we were created to live. A life, by the way, that was never meant to be lived in a dry, barren wilderness. Yeah, for some in this room, it's time to get out of the desert and to get back to the sea where you belong. Get it? Good. Now the passage. If you have your Bibles, open up to Isaiah 43 or your Bible app. We got a special thing I ordered for our church that you can only, on your phones, look up the Bible, and it'll actually shock you if you're searching the web or texting or Instagramming anything other than Scripture or the message. That would be so cool. If, if you had a button right here, I could just push that button. Ah! What were you doing? All right. All right. Anyhow, uh, back to earth for me. Um, Isaiah 43, we're going to begin at verse 15. And I understand these words were written to people who had seen better days, to people who have wandered away and rebelled against God, to people who were experiencing great suffering, to people who had lost hope. Ever been there? Certain the people who had wondered where God was, had God left them. People had longed for better days, and people who, like the sea lion, had lost the sea and resigned themselves to thinking that this is as good as it gets. It was such a people that God, through the prophet Isaiah, spoke these words 2,700 years ago. Okay, quick sidebar. Don't you think it's crazy that we gather here every week and we read words from a book that were written two to 3,000 years ago? Seriously, think about it. The Bible is an amazing book. It's a, it's a powerful book. It's a, an encouraging book. It's a life-giving, life-changing book. And if you don't believe that, I think you probably need to read it just a little bit more. Amen? Here's what he writes. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator and King. I am the Lord who opened the way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I understand, because of who God is, the Lord, our Holy One, our Creator and King, He can open up a way where there is no way. Question, do you have any no ways in your life right now, you know, that you would like to see God open up? In my note, I, I wrote some of my no ways, but I'm not going to tell you what they are, but, but, I, but I have some. I call forth the mighty Egyptian with all its chariots and horses, I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering wick. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I'm, for I'm about to do something new. Okay, look three people in the eye and tell them God's about to do something new. Look him in the eye now. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people can be refreshed. Can anybody use some refreshing today? Let's pray. God, we love you. What a privilege it is to be in your presence. Uh, God, you knew we'd be sitting in this room today. You knew I'd be standing up here on the final day of this new year and of this old year, God, and God, I pray you open up our hearts and minds. We all say we want this year to be better. I mean, who wouldn't, right? And so, God, I, I pray that somehow the words that I share 
who will not only help those out there, but help me, God, to grab a hold of this new year so that I can experience the endless possibilities that are in this upcoming year in you. In Jesus' name, amen. In about 12 hours, 2018 will begin. That is absolutely insane to me. Crazy. When I was growing up, my mom always said, the older you get, time goes faster. She wasn't lying. My goodness, it just flies by. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to see the year 2018 slip through my hands like so many years in the past have, right? Oh, the year's already gone, right? I didn't do all the things that I wanted to do. Instead, I want to grab a hold of this new year for all it's worth, knowing that if I do, I will experience endless possibilities of God doing a new thing, of God opening up those no ways and providing a way. And here's how I want to attack our conversation this morning by unpacking four words uh, three words appeared in the, the video, um, go, risk, and believe. And I added a fourth word, adapt. And check this out. Do you know what the first letters of those four words spell? Go, risk, adapt, believe. Am I? Grab. Okay, turn to your right and left and grab your neighbor. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it's kind of cheesy using acronyms, but everybody likes cheese, Right? Hey, tell the person next to you your favorite kind of cheese, and cheesecake doesn't count. Cheddar, cheddar. Unless it's on a burger, then bring on the Swiss, right? With a little bit of mushrooms. Okay, if you want to grab the year 2018 for all it's worth, first of all, you need to, you need to go, even when you don't have all the answers. And to go implies leaving. You see, if you want to go somewhere better, if you want to go somewhere bigger, bolder, and brighter, somewhere new, somewhere different in 2018, then you can't stay where you are and you can't stay who you are. Are you tracking with me? Tell the person next to you, you can't stay there. You can't stay there. And the truth is, we see this played out again and again in scriptures, people leaving so they could go. Abraham had to leave his family and homeland behind. Moses had to leave the comfort and security of the desert. James and John had to leave their dad and their fishing business. Paul had to leave his religious ways and all the things he did by his own effort that he thought had made him right with God. In other words, he had to leave the law and trying to measure up and embrace grace. Timothy had to leave behind his fear and timidity. Again, they could not go until they left. So here's a question as 2018 appears on the horizon. What do you need to leave? Uh, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from being able to go? Or what will keep you from being able to go where you need to go in 2018? What have you been unwilling or unable to let go of that's hindering you from becoming all the guy wants you to be? I, I don't know, maybe in 2018 you need to leave behind doubt or fear, or pride. Maybe you need to leave behind guilt 
envy, jealousy, maybe you need to leave behind insecurity, timidity, maybe you need to leave behind self, selfish ambition and self-promotion, leave behind making 2018 all about you, maybe you need to leave behind anger, resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness, an attitude, an addiction, a way of thinking. Or maybe what you need to leave behind when you pull it all down is you need to leave behind the P-A-A-S-T, past. Because the truth is when you, when you relive the past, you relinquish your future. Reliving the past, you will relinquish your future. Anybody see the new Star Wars movie? Anybody? It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I thought it was really good, actually. And there was a line in that movie. Once I heard it, I said, you know what? That will be in a sermon someday. <laughs> and here it is already, right? This is, this is the old, uh, what's the guy's name? Come on, you all know it. Kylo Ren, right? He says this. I love this. Let the past die. Kill it if you have to. That's the only way to become what you're meant to be. Wow. That's pretty good. I think Paul would agree with them. Paul said this, Philippians 3, 13, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Remember, there is, there is no future in the past, right? There's no future in the past. Look three people in the eye and tell them there's no future in the past. It's not there. You're not going to find it there. And, 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 and to go also, it, it, it implies leaving and it requires direction. And that makes sense, right? I mean, we need to know where we're going. And direction is something we've talked about here before. Some of you may remember the principle of the path, right? Direction, not intention, determines our destination. It's this principle that we always end up where the road we're on is taking us, regardless of our intentions. So you know, imagine if you're getting ready to go to, great time of year to do it, a trip to Florida for two-week vacation. The car's packed, everybody's excited, you're on I-64, and you can't help from smiling when you hit your blinker and start heading on I-95 North. Do you see any problems? Understand it. It doesn't matter how well you pack the car, how full the tank is, what you believe, how many people are praying for your traveling mercies, whatever they are. Uh, regardless of your intentions, if you are headed north on I-95, you will never get to Florida. And we know that, right? But the crazy thing is that when it comes to other areas of our lives, there's this huge disconnect. We don't think, this principle really applies. Like, I, I can have a great relationship with someone even if I don't do anything to make it happen. <laughs> even if everything I do and say actually is destructive to relationships, I still can have a great relationship because that's my intention. Andy Stanley writes this, my observation experience for that matter indicates that humans have a propensity for choosing paths that do not lead in the direction they want to go. They come to believe the popular notion that as long as their intentions are good, as long as their hearts are in the right place, whatever that means, you know, I guess it's here, not in your leg or thigh, as long as they, 
do their best and try their hardest. It doesn't really matter which path they take. They believe that somehow they'll end up in a good place. But life doesn't work that way. Hashtag truth. Hashtag he's dead on. Hashtag, and deep down we know it. Hashtag, because I-94, I-95 North is not working. Hashtag, I shouldn't keep saying hashtag. <laughs> hashtag. You will always end up where the road you're on is taking you. Understand the direction you are currently traveling relationally, financially, spiritually, and the list goes on and on, will determine where you end up in each of those respected areas. Get it? Good. And this is true regardless of your goals, your dreams, your hopes, or your intentions. Question, in 2017, did you have any intentions that were not matched by your direction? I mean, were, in any area, were you driving on I-95 North thinking you were going to somehow make it to Florida? For example, did you enter the year 2017 intending to get healthier physically? Get your finances in order? Pay off debt? Work on or improve or deepen some relationships, to spend more time in the Word, to be more committed to the church, to read some more books, learn some new stuff. But you never took I-95 South or any actions to make those things happen. Understand, every time we eat something we shouldn't, spend money we don't have, say something we know we shouldn't say, uh, talk ourselves out of exercising, treat someone in a way that we know will only result in more friction and conflict. Every time we lie to our spouse, every time we drink more than we should, go places we should not go, continue in friendships and relationships that we know are wrong for us. Every time we hold on to anger, bitterness, and unforgiveness, we violate this principle of direction, not intention, determines our destination. And listen, there is a price to pay. Proverbs 27, 12 says, the prudent see danger and take refuge. They get off at the next exit, right? It's like, hey, wait a second. I'm heading to Washington. I want to go to Florida. Where's that next exit, right? They say, I, I don't want to go to the snow. I, I want to go to the sunshine. But it's simple. <laughs> I'm going to keep on going. Drive <laughs> around the earth. I'll make it. And, and listen, not only is it important to Choose a direction, it's important to choose the right direction. Hey, I got great news for you today. The odds of you dying in an avalanche are pretty low. Seriously. Only about 30 people in the U.S. die every year in an avalanche, so you're looking pretty good. However, if you do find yourself in an avalanche, I want to give you a survival tip. Spit first, dig second. You see, it turns out that the biggest problem when people get in an avalanche, when caught in all that snow, is that they start blindly digging, not knowing where they're going, and they often dig in the wrong direction and wind up further from the surface. Popular Science talked about a guy who they found who did that very thing. And he wound up digging 30 feet deeper than he had begun. If only he had spit first. I understand, when snow covers you, what you need to do, right, it's clear the way, because gravity still works. And you spit, right? If the spit drops down, that means what? 
that weighs up. This is probably the only time that you want to spit on your face, right? Okay, that's the way to go. It's important to dig in the right direction. And I said, our, our world is like covered by snow, isn't it? Like, like, wow, which way do we go? The media, this, the school says this, my friends say this. How do we know? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will what? He'll show you what path to take. He'll show you what direction to take. If you want your 2018 to be better, you need to grab it, and you need to go, and you need to next, you need to risk. And risk implies uncertainty. Doing, what, doing things that don't make sense, that don't add up, that don't come with the guarantee, where you're not sure of the outcome, where failure is a very real option, where the odds seem to be stacked against you, like walking into a valley to face a 10-foot giant or throwing your legs over the side of a boat and trying to walk on water in the middle of a, of a violent storm. Yes, to grab the year 2018 in a way that God wants us to grab it involves risk. And risk implies uncertainty, which most of us are not very fond of. Truth be told, most of us lean towards being security lovers rather than risk takers. I mean, we love to hedge our bets, cover our tracks, touch all bases. Yeah, we live in a culture of airbags, car seats, smoke detectors, and flotation devices. And we love to, make, we love to watch other people taking risks, right? On TV and movies. And in scripture, but we don't like to take many risks ourselves. Basically, we want a life that is free from pressure and uncertainty and danger. And we're really good at convincing ourselves that this is the best and the wisest course of action. But is it? You know, safety is great, but is that what Christianity is about? Is Christianity about being safe? No, doing life with God isn't always smooth, it's not always comfortable, it's not always risk-free. In fact, it's often the opposite. Check out this quote from Brenning Manning in his book, The Signature of Jesus. The reality of Christian men and women requires that they leave what is nailed down, obvious and secure, and walk into the desert without rational explanations that justify their decision or guarantee their future. Why? Solely and simply because God signals this movement and offers it his promise. You see, our, our God calls us to risk. He calls us to uncertainty because he is anything but safe. And that's why I always love that scene, right, in, in the Chronicles of Narnia, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe, where, where the children are hearing about Aslan the lion for the very first time, and Aslan represents Christ. And, you know, and, and the beaver says, Aslan's a lion, the lion, the great lion, ooh, said Susan, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's a king, I'll tell you. No, no. See, following God, it's not safe. It involves risk. Because God often asks you and I to do things and act in ways that do not make sense, that go against reason. Forgive when someone hurts you. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Give even when you don't have to give. Put the needs of others before your own. Be great by being a servant. You turn the other cheek. 
step out even when you have no guarantee of how things are going to turn out. Ermac McManus in his book, Chasing the Daylight, writes this. I'm convinced that God longs to put his fingerprint on our lives, to act on our behalf and surprise us with his magnificence. I'm equally convinced that most of the time we do not give God a context in which to do this. The mundane is not really the best context for a miracle. When we play it safe, we squeeze God out of the formula. If we only go where we know and do what we're sure will succeed, we remove our need from God, for God. There's so much that God wants to do that can only be seen after we begin to do it. There's so much that God wants to do that only can be seen when we begin to do it, right? You know, sometimes God doesn't move until our feet get wet, right? You know where that comes from, right? Joshua chapter 3, they're about to enter the promised land. The Jordan is at flood stage. They don't have boats, they don't have barges, they don't have ferries, they don't have a bridge. And God just says, hey, you know what? As soon as the priests step into that flood, flooding river, the waters are going to part. And guess what happened? As soon as they stepped in, the waters parted. But they didn't part until their feet get wet. And that's how it is in our lives, right? Sometimes we've got to get moving. We're waiting for God to move, and God's waiting for us. And risk implies uncertainty, and it requires trust. And this week I was thinking about, okay, who was a guy like trusted God like the most? Who, who took like a lot of risk for God? And, and a guy immediately popped into my mind. A guy who time and time again stepped into the valley of uncertainty. His name was David. And, and the thing that enabled David to do this was he had a radical and ruthless trust in God. Check out these scriptures. Some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Remember that phrase name means it's God's person, God's character, God's purposes. Psalm 25.3, no one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced. Psalm 28.7, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Psalm 33.4, for the word of the Lord holds true and we can trust everything he does. Psalm 37.5, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Psalm 56.4, I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Psalm 84.12, O Lord of heaven, armies, what joy for those who trust in you. Psalm 118, verse 8. Interestingly, it's the middle verse in the entire Bible. Um, it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. You see, David had a radical and ruthless trust in God. He trusted in God's name and God's plan and God's purposes and God's protection and God's provision and God's power. He trusted that God was with him, that God was for him, and that God would help him, and that God would never, ever let him down, and that God would show up if he chose to step out. And if you and I are ever going to take the kind of risk that God wants us to, it requires that same kind of radical and ruthless trust that David had. Get it? Good. Next to grab 2018, experience those endless possibilities you need to adapt so you can keep moving forward regardless of the circumstances. Have you noticed 
that life never seems to go exactly as we planned, scripted, or hoped? Did anyone see that played out in 2017? I mean, did anyone have any surprises this year? Did anything unexpected, unplanned, or unwanted come your way? Any challenges or struggles, trials or difficulties, letdowns or discouragements, any tragedies or crises come crashing like a tidal wave into your life? Any rough waters, any rocky roads, I'm not talking about ice cream, uphill climbs, that you would rather not have been forced to travel down. Jesus said in this world we will have trouble, and man, he was not lying. Listen, and this is huge for me and for you. It'll pop up on the screen. It's in your notes. Unless we learn how to adapt to our environment, circumstances, challenges, and life's unexpected troubles, we'll be tempted to use them as an excuse, claiming that they are the reason why we cannot move forward and live the life God has called us to live. Unless we learn how to adapt to our environment, circumstances, challenges, and life's unexpected troubles, we'll be tempted to use them as an excuse, claiming that they are the reason why we cannot move forward and live the life God called us to. See, here's the deal. We will either adapt when we face circumstances we cannot control, and we will allow those circumstances to become the boundaries of our life. Boundaries that will define and limit our freedom in Christ and our forward movement in becoming who we're meant to be. Boundaries that will both define and limit our freedom in Christ and prevent our forward movement into becoming the person God wants us to be. Get it? Good. You see... We cannot always control the, the content from which our life story must be lived. However, we can control the content of our life story, how we choose to live within it. See, to grab 2018 for all it's worth, we have to adapt, and to adapt implies change. You see, life is not a color within the lines project. Life is a work of art. We have to keep mixing colors, creating blends, seeing things in fresh ways. And we must be willing to get paint all over ourselves. Life's about growth, and growth demands adaptability. And adaptability implies change. At times, we kind of have to reinvent ourselves. And one of the most powerful examples of someone who had the ability to adapt was the guy in the Old Testament by the name of Daniel. When Daniel was a teenager, the circumstances of his life changed in the most dramatic of ways. The nation he lived in was destroyed by another nation, Babylon. Okay, imagine that happening to you, right? Some country comes in here. I'm not going to dig on any country, so I won't mention any, right? Some country comes in here, destroys us, and they take you away from your home. Everything you've ever known, all your family, all your things, they bring you to their country, and you don't speak the language, and you don't know the culture, and you're there as a slave. And listen, if Daniel was not able or willing to adapt to his environment, we wouldn't be talking about him today. I mean, he, they gave him a new name. He's in a new land. He's learning new ways. But Daniel, see, he knew the difference between what it means to adopt and what it means to adapt. One is to surrender to overwhelming circumstances. The other 
is to rise above them. You see, to, to adopt is to compromise your convictions, to adapt is to live them out in the real world. And here's the deal. In order to adapt, we have to know what's important, what's essential. You see, adaptability is not the result of shooting from the hip, but rather from knowing ahead of time what and where we're aiming at. In other words, adaptability is decisive action in response to unforeseen circumstances informed by previously determined values. I'm going to say that again. Adaptability is decisive action in response to unforeseen circumstances informed by previously determined values. You need to adapt. And that implies change requires core. See, Daniel had a, had a serious core. He did some serious core training in his life that enabled him to adapt. And core equals convictions we're willing to risk everything for. Anchor points that have the power to keep you grounded even in the midst of the most powerful storms. Question, what is your core? What are you willing to risk everything for? What anchor points keep you grounded? And see, the most important part of our conversation today is what happens when you walk out those doors. When you decide whether or not you're going to be a hearer of the word or a doer of the word, we're going to decide whether you actually came here to, to uh, apply God's teaching or just audit God's teaching. During this upcoming week, I really want to encourage you to come up with several personal core values, convictions, action, um, anchor points, non-negotiables. Pray about them. Write them down. And see what they'll do. They're going to help you to respond the right way when something comes up in the new year. Let's suppose you say, a core conviction of mine is that when someone hurts me, I'm going to respond like Christ and forgive them just as Christ forgave me, right? You say, that's a core conviction, right? Someone hurts me, I'm going to respond like Christ, you know? Um, you think someone's going to hurt you in the new year? Right? But if you got that core already, you go, wait a second, I already know how I'm going to respond. I'm not going to... I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get bitter. I'm not going to gossip. I'm going to forgive them just as Christ forgave me. Does that make sense? We've we, we got to have this core. So if you want to grab this new year, you've got to go, right? You've got to risk. You've got to adapt. And the B stands for you've got to believe. And believe implies expectation. All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus. It is by his great mercy we've been born again because God raised Jesus from the dead. Now we live with what? I love this. Great expectation. Right? We should, right? I mean, we've got a pretty great God. <laughs> we should have great expectations. Expecting that God will move in our lives. Expecting that God can cause all things to work together for good. Expecting that in all things we really are more than conquerors. Expecting that God will provide all that we need as we seek his kingdom first. Expecting that God will give us the power to overcome all that holds us back. Expecting God to refine us in the fire. To hear us when we pray. And the spirit to working us to make us more like Jesus. Right? We believe. And believe requires relationship. While Jesus and his followers were traveling, Jesus went into town. A woman named Martha let Jesus stay at her house. Martha and her sister named Mary, who was sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him teach. 
But Martha was busy with all the work in the home. She went in and said, Lord, I don't think how she, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone in here? Do all right? Don't get out of here. Right? I mean, I'm sure she was just spit coming out of her mouth. The Lord said to her, Martha, Martha. And she knew she was in trouble, right? Yeah. Jesus says her name twice. It's fixing to come. Right? You're worried and upset about many things. And maybe that was you in 2017. <laughs> you were worried and upset about so many things. Only one thing is important. Sitting at my feet and listening to me. Mary has chosen the better thing and will not be taken away from her. See, the most important thing in 2018 is for you to sit at the feet of Jesus. To be in his presence through the prayer and the word. Everything flows from that. And here's the deal. And it's for real. Your belief in God, they do great things and move in your life to protect you, provide for you, et cetera, et cetera. Your belief in God and my belief in God is in direct proportion to our relationship with God. If you don't believe in him all that much, you don't believe he's going to be there for you, you don't believe he's going to help you, you don't believe he's going to provide for you, you don't believe he cares for you, you know, then guess what? I, I would contend that you and him do not have that good of a relationship. Because when you have a relationship with God, you know that he can be trusted. Maple Grove, in order to grab 2018 and experience endless possibilities, you need to go, you need to risk, you need to adapt, and you need to believe. And I got a bonus B for you before we wrap this thing up. It'll pop up on the screen right there. There's a B right there. B. In 2018, be the change you wish to see in your world. You want to see some changes in your marriage? Changes between you and your kids? You want to see some changes at work, changes at school, changes in your church, right? I wish it was different. I wish that. You know what? Be the change. Think people should be more loving, more compassionate, more giving, more serving, right? More caring, more understanding, whatever it is. Be the change. Be the change you want to see in the world. Maple Grove, in conclusion, a real conclusion, not a preacher conclusion. As I stand before you today, backed up by the authority of God, I proclaim to you that your 2018 can be bigger and better and bolder and brighter and going and risking and adapting and believing and being will make it happen. Would you stand and pray with me? Oh, one more thing. I got a bunch of these sheets in the back called Life Work. And, and uh, you can pick one of these up. They're on the Welcome Center. And it takes each of these areas and have you answer questions like the go. You know, what do you need to leave behind as you begin 2018, right? And, and if you take and fill this out, right, you know, it'll make a difference. 
If not, then you might as well just take the day, right, and toss it away. Uh, Father God, we love you. And God, thank you for new. Thank you for fresh. Thank you, God, that our yesterday does not determine our tomorrow, that our past doesn't define us or determine our future. Thank you for your truth of your word that in you there's endless possibilities. If we go, if we risk, if we adapt, if we believe, and if we be that change. Help us, Jesus. Help everyone in this room to pick up a sheet of paper and fill that thing out. Me too. Help us hold each other accountable to those in the room that we know and care about who we want to see have a successful new year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.